Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Hello, welcome to Catharsis. I'm Tiff Stevenson, full-time comedian, part-time, massively unqualified therapist, for this podcast only. Don't be texting me, messaging me outside of the podcast saying, Tiff, help me with my problems. Just for this podcast. Every week I talk to a guest about small things that irritate them, pet peeves, gripes, maybe some old wounds that need healing. We'll also dive into a topical gripe. See if we can provide some insight and mainly some catharsis. You can sweat the small stuff with me. This week I'm joined by comedian, ice skater and fashion icon Darren Harriet. <laughs> I love that fashion yeah. icon yeah come you on are. you're always wearing something I think is amazing uh, so before we get into your issues I'm going to start with one of my gripes I've currently got my period and I thought perhaps that I'd entered perimenopause I don't know why I've got to have something happen to my body that sounds like a dish at Nando's but I visited the gynecologist and uh, this is this is just like therapy. And he said, no, 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 you're not in perimenopause. And actually, my period is getting closer together. It's actually now every 24 days instead of 28. So I'm getting more periods as I get older. I did not sign up for this. I'm getting 13 a year, which is a baker's dozen. It turns out I've still got it, Darren. And by it, I mean excruciating menstrual cramps. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the perfect guest for this. <laughs> so glad. Oh, lots of opinions on it. Wait, so you are you are having more uh, more periods, a, more periods. Oh God! Yes, yeah. as you get older, because I'm in my forties. I think they're supposed to, as you go through your forties, sort of slow down once you move into uh, sort of perimenopause. I don't know who this Perry is. She sounds like a bitch. Yeah. Basically, you get hot, you get cold, you get angry. I mean, your mango and herb. <laughs> your mango and herb menopause. <laughs> you get them all. Oh, wow. That, is there nothing you can do about it? Or do you just have to ride it out? Just periods. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, you can actually. Like, lots of women take uh, the contraceptive pill to control their periods. So you can actually not have periods and take packets back to back, which is sometimes what people do on holiday. But really, no, I can't control it. It's just me, the moon, the tides. Well, in fact, not even anymore because they're mm. every 28 days. This I'm now... I've gone outside of nature into this 24 day cycle <laughs> of hell and I don't know I don't know what to do about it but I just wanted to get it out there also I just like normalizing the chat around all of this kind of stuff you know there's a lot of men in the podcasting world and they're probably not opening their podcasts by uh talking about you know their menstrual cramps so there we go we do open by talking about our dicks though so that to us is like the period for men in podcasts. <laughs> they open immediately with dick talk. <laughs> I mean, look at me. The first like, proper thing I've said is mainly dick talk. Oh, no. Sorry, <laughs> Tiff. I've, I've done exactly the same thing. <laughs> Let's dive straight in. The first section of the podcast we call Old Grudges. So this is something from the past that you haven't been able to shake off or you wish you'd handled differently or you wish you'd maybe even got your revenge. So just air it for me, Darren. Um, I used to work as a, a security guard at um, a music venue and my boss at the music venue was the worst person I've ever met in my entire life. 
Um, she was so mean, so horrible. Just to give you an idea of how horrible she was. Uh, we weren't allowed to drink water <gasps> on shifts. Yeah, doesn't what? matter what. Yeah, was it allowed? If you if you were standing if you were standing and you had like a cup of water, you would you'd be told off. You'd be sent home. Uh, you couldn't sit down at all. Uh, even if you were working the back shifts at night, she was so unbelievably mean. Oh, she sent people home if you had a radio, and you didn't address her the way she wanted to be addressed on the radio. So if you said um, copy that, you would have to say um, hello, uh, yes. Uh, uh, I won't say her name. Let's say her name's Michelle. You'd have to go, um, yes, Michelle, I understand, Michelle. Uh, coffee out. You'd have to keep saying her name. You couldn't just go, uh, no, unfortunately, we don't know about that. You'd have to go, uh, no, Michelle, we don't know about that, but we will do everything we can, uh, Michelle. She was a complete control freak. And what really hurts me now is she has more power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she gone up in the company. Has she risen through the ranks? She's like an area manager now of a load of venues. <gasps> And it was, ah, oh, she was the worst person. Even thinking about her now, I get the chills. She was just, she would walk past and everybody would get nervous. You know those bosses where you walk, where somebody walks past and you all just get really nervous. And she just didn't care because she knew that when you're a security guard for all of us, we were all on zero hour contracts. Right. And the sad thing is, is that when you're on a zero hour contract, sometimes you get into a job that is basically a full-time job, but it's zero hour contract. So you go, okay, I'm going to work at this music venue for 45 hours a week. Uh, it's a zero hour contract, but I've got full-time work. Great. And she would know that. And obviously you don't get healthcare or anything like that. And, but if you did one thing wrong, like didn't refer to her the way she wanted to be on the, on the radio, had a drink of water on shift, she would, she would sack you on the spot and because it's a zero hour contract there's nothing you can do there's no unfair dismissal there's no writing a complaint and she did that to so many guys and they would go they would go this was this was my my only job and she just they just lose their job for just anything anything at all she was so mean what's interesting here is that for a lot of people power can corrupt so she's someone who's got a little taste of power in her job oh. and gone oh i can use that to feel better about myself or whatever it is and so firstly, like, I'm angry for, I'm already angry. I'm fully invested, <laughs> Darren. I'm angry. I'm like, oh, I can feel the rage building up in my chest. First of all, when you're not allowed water, I was like, that's a human right. I think that contravenes any kind of employment law. Yeah. And so I know that you're in zero hour contracts. So you don't have a contract. So you don't have rights there. But as an employee, you have a right to have access to water whenever you want or need it. I'm pretty sure we could get, a, or we could get into such trouble. I mean, right, how, so. how about, how about uh, human rights? How about you just being a nice person? <laughs> yes. Just treating yeah. people like humans and let them have a drink yeah. of water on shift. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing. Second, this is the problem with a lot of the jobs that are on offer now, or, or this kind of gig culture is that you have no right or no recourse because you don't have any claim to the job, yeah. even though that you are giving your time. And also working in security, it is an at-risk job. Yeah, very at-risk, yeah. So I feel like it's one of those jobs where you should absolutely be given an employment contract because you're being asked to like risk your personal safety, especially at a music venue, because you've got different security. You've got like security in a car park. You've got security, I don't know, in a shop. Yeah, yeah. But security anywhere their performances or music or live venue or anything like that or a nightclub, you are at risk of violence in your job because people are 
drunk. Yeah, yeah. Trying yeah. to get in, getting annoyed, getting thrown out. And so, like, of all of the jobs you do, that I sort of feel like for anyone that works that job, there should be some level of protection there for you. There, there really should be. I mean, uh, the fights and all that aside and, um, you know, disputes with punters and all that, you know, dealing with issues. I mean, just a music gig, you know, on a weekly basis, we're dealing with, like, crowd surfers and people moshing. And the amount of times I'd do my backing, <laughs> just <laughs> trying to get somebody. That was another thing as well. If we were working in the in the pit area, say, so obviously you've got the stage, you've got the pit area where security are, then you've got the crowd. And if it's a rock gig, people are crowd surfing. We would hand water out to those people in that crowd. But you're Guess not allowed we, to drink we it. We weren't allowed to drink that water. If we wanted to drink that water, we would have to come out of the pit, go round, and it was almost like we were smoking or something. We weren't allowed to do it in front of the public in a boiling hot gig. Wow. That's insane. So also, just if you were, I'm assuming this is in the Midlands. How long ago is this that you yeah. weren't there? Like, um, I went, so I would say I was there from 2012 to 2015. Right. So like about 10 years ago, if you went to a gig in the Midlands and yeah, you were yeah. moshing, you might have been held up by... Birmingham's own Darren Harriet. Little did you know, (laughs) little did you know that this uh, famous comedian was was soon to be famous comedian. You were crowd surfing on his like. Also, I think you have to care about people to work in security as well, like the safety of people. So I I often think that people misconstrue or misunderstand security as being something that is sort of anti-people or anti-fun when a lot of the time it's about ensuring safety. Yeah, like the the first the first security shift I ever did, it was for the um, the royal wedding. Remember oh, like wow. the Kate and Wills one? That was my yeah. first ever shift. And I learned immediately that, oh no, it's just customer service 90% yeah. of the time. Because all I was doing was just giving people directions and that was it. And then as I got into venues, you realise it's all about just dealing with people and how you talk to people is how you, you know, sort out, any disputes or anything like that but you know sometimes even with this boss and we always believed she was a bit racist because she would always say I don't like the look of these guys and nine times out of ten they were like black right and we were just and we we kind we kind of knew that she was a bit racist but it, and it always kind of hurt us a bit because we were she, was, she would say I don't like the look of them they're not coming in and then she would disappear and then we're just left now with these guys who you know nine times out of ten were absolutely like not even drunk they were just sober guys trying to have a good night and we would then have to come up with some excuse as to why they couldn't come in because we couldn't say you're not allowed in because the boss says so we couldn't say anything like that we'd have to just make up something and go normally it was too many lads that's what we would have to say instead we'd go oh there's too many lads in there you know and I, I remember one time it was like I can't remember what the gig was it was like it was like not the Spice Girls, but it was like a Spice Girls type group that was in there. Yeah. And these lads came in, these guys, and we were like, there's too many lads in there. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, I don't think there is. I'm here to meet my girlfriend. And I was like, no, there's too many lads, unfortunately. Yeah, you can't come in. Oh, uh, that's awful. Because you're having to reject based on someone else's yeah. opinion of... Uh, at a glance of whether or not someone should be allowed into a club. But what's interesting about this, I think, um, if I was looking at it from a therapeutic viewpoint, which is my job on this podcast, even though I'm not a therapist, is I would say, um, 
how you handled her or how you handled those like kind of personal interactions, those tricksy situations probably taught you quite a lot about being a comic. Like, do you feel like you got a lot out of that job that you actually use in, in stand up now? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, dealing with people, dealing with sort of confrontations, not physical confrontations, but you know, just verbal ones and then turning it funny and, you know, try sub- submerging somebody else's opinion into something else. I feel like a lot of the times on the door, we would do that because I, my the last thing I ever wanted to do was ever have to put my hand on somebody or have somebody put their hand on me. That was the last thing I ever wanted to do because um, I, I'm not I'm not into fighting people. I also don't want to lose my badge. That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to lose my security badge because if I lose my security badge, I wouldn't be able to do comedy the way that I did back then because uh, I had a zero-hour contract, could work whenever I wanted. So I would always try to use my voice and always try and make them laugh um, as much as I can. But I do have... Um, speaking of therapy, my own way of uh, getting back. Um, what it is, is so they do comedy at that venue. <laughs> now that I just right. work at. And my goal is to eventually play that venue. And I reckon she will be there because she's the area manager of all those venues. And I reckon she will be there. So I know all I need to do, Tiff, is um, start being able to sell out a 4,000-seater venue. Right, okay. <laughs> Once I can sell out a 4,000-seater venue, I'm going to go there and I want to make sure I do about five days. So she's got to be there for one of them. And I want to see her in there. And I'm telling you now, I will point her out and I will say her name on every one of those shows and say <laughs> she's the meanest person I've ever met. I am, I'm dying to do it. That, that's my way of getting back. Well, after this podcast comes out, you'll be able to do that. <laughs> you'll sell those tickets. But I love that because that is, well, that's what comedy is. Comedy is p- puncturing tension through laughter. Yeah. So how you do that, and if you use that to diffuse situations when you were on the door anyway, then you've just, trans. that's a direct transferal into your life as a stand-up comedian. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, no worries. Fingers crossed that Michelle, as we're calling her for this yeah. podcast, We'll be at this venue in Birmingham. Let's give you 12 months to okay. hit the target. Yeah. I like to give us hard targets for this. Uh, but but it is a hometown gig. So you could definitely do one night, I reckon, with a year to sell it. Let's yeah. uh, Let's get Darren's old boss to the venue so he can sock it to her in a verbal oh. fashion. Come on. <laughs> she'll, switch, she'll switch the mic off. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Uh, do you feel a bit better? I do feel a lot better. Now that I've, now that I've got out, I've never said that to anybody before uh, about her. I've told you know friends and stuff, but I've never said the full thing that I do intend on going back and doing a gig there. And it feels so much better now. that it's Now we've got a plan. We've got a plan of action. plan of action. Come on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Next, it's time for your topical gripe. So that's something that's uh, in the news, which yeah. is getting under your skin, irritating you. 
What's what have you been thinking about? What have you been chewing over? Okay, I I think this is topical, but it's it's a bit more broader than like That's a good. subject. What gets my nose up is I don't know why everybody hates Elon Musk. <laughs> Tiff, it blows my mind. All right, listen, this guy, electric cars, wants to save the world, wants to put people on Mars. Took over Twitter is trying to take care of all the trolls and make Twitter work now. I might be what's known as an Elon Musk uh, shill because I pay for Twitter (laughs) and I don't mind paying for it. I think Elon Musk is a good person. He's doing his bit for the planet. He he probably needs to stop having so many kids that that's probably going against doing good for the planet, having as many kids as he's got. But I do think he gets a lot of unjust hate. Right. Okay. Well, I haven't paid for Twitter, but I am thinking about paying for Twitter because I cannot get my tweets seen for love nor money. And I'm like, is it just a waste of time being on here? I've got like 55,000 followers or something on there. And now I put stuff out and no one sees it. So he's backed me into a corner. (laughs) I don't even use Twitter at all. And I just paid for it because I felt like everybody was paying for it. And I did a gig in December and I said it on stage. I went, I actually pay for Twitter. And the entire room hated me. Did I've you get never booed? Seen... I, got, I, I, I got booed. I went, boo! And I went, who in here else pays for Twitter? Silence. They all hated me. The gig went, the gig went downhill. The last seven minutes of the gig was tough. Because <laughs> they, they were like, we like this guy, but why would he pay for Twitter? The one good thing about paying for Twitter, Twitter Blue, is you, once you send out a tweet... You get 30 minutes to edit it, which is great for a guy like me because I struggle with spelling. And every now and again, I'll send a tweet out, be sitting down and I'll be like, hmm, how many S's are in business? (laughs) And I'll I'll go back to go check it. And then nine times out of ten, yeah, I've I've made a mistake. But um, yeah, do you like Elon Musk? I don't actively dislike Elon Musk as much as uh, people do actively dislike Elon Musk. I think he's been a bit needy on there. Like, he was sort of ranting on about the culture wars. And I was like, oh, dip your knob in some yoghurt, mate. (laughs) That'll deal with your culture problem. Um, The one thing that gets me is I think he sort of thinks he's very funny. He clearly thinks that he's a comic and funny. And that's the one thing, I suppose, when you've got all the money, what's the one thing that you sort of can't buy? And it's, you know, people's love. So I think the more that he tries to aim for that, the more repelling that can be as a force. You know, um, my friend came around to pick me up the other night in a Tesla. I think they're, I think they're great cars. They're sexy cars. Uh, I'm into it, you know. And look, I will say this now, Darren, because I've mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm not going to go and live on Mars because they've got three moons and that means triple the periods. I'm already having, <laughs> I'm already having 13 a year. I cannot handle 39 periods a year. I will die. I'm not doing it. So, um, so yeah, so I sometimes, I, I like his innovation, but sometimes his tweets read a bit like Adrian Mole's diary. Yeah. You know, like when he does stuff like calling the guys who were like trying to save the Thai boys for the, you know, the cave rescue, like there's I'll stuff like that. that where you go, this is so childish. Like, why are you behaving like a 15 year old boy that's just discovered the internet for the first time? Like, grow the fuck up. You're a CEO and a billionaire. Like, get your shit together. <laughs> Yeah, he he definitely has the vibe of he he wants to be popular, like, but he wants to be loved. Like yes. he wants everyone to love him. And I know I know what you're saying because sometimes on his on his Twitter, it does seem like 
if AI tried to write comedy. Yes. The way he tries to put jokes and stuff. And I always think about Elon Musk, like if I met him, he'd be such a tryhard to be like your friend and be cool. Like if I was to fist bump him, he'd do the explosion at the end. Like, oh, <laughs> oh you nerd. What are you doing, mate? I have this old bit of stand up that I am gonna try and rework, but I, I, I back this as a theory, right? I think we need to get back to being mean to nerds. And this is why we don't want Elon to be popular (laughs) because we want our nerds creating cool shit and inventing stuff that we can try out with our friends. But if they've got friends and they're popular and they're happy, the need to innovate (laughs) drops. So we need to leave the nerds isolated, alone, creating cool shit. Well, we don't want him to be too happy and popular because then we're not going to get the next version of the car. We're not going to get to Mars. That's a very good point. You want nerds to be sort of like jealous at other people because they work harder when they've got a little bit, a little bit revengeful in them. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll show you football team. Yeah, you, you want that? You want that energy? Yeah, Elon Musk doesn't have that, does he anymore? He, in fairness to him, he hasn't really done anything else. He brought Twitter. That, like you, you know, what? you've just made a solid point there because since Elon took over Twitter, he's kind of just been all in with Twitter. Yeah. And that's that's about it. And, you know, he's a guy who could create, I don't know, some flying boat or something. Yeah. You're chasing popularity on that. Then you could be off somewhere doing something else. So, you know, so just just be wary of being too nice to the nerds. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get so much shit for this, Darren. (laughs) So much shit. (laughs) Up next is a little section we like to call unpopular opinion and i mean your topical gripe could have been an unpopular opinion but this is something that you love that everyone else hates or vice versa yeah well this is one that i hate so i'm quite funny with food so people say i'm quite odd um my one that really bugs me is i do not think croissants are breakfast food (gasps) at all at all i don't get it mon coeur no it's not it's not at all i don't understand it Okay, uh, can I just turn my gripe into hotel food? <laughs> well, in you general? can you can do you can do both. Let's let's unpack croissant first. Croissant. You, so, cross, th- this is an unpopular opinion because France are going to come for you. Uh, the <laughs> French are coming for you. So, is it the chocolate that makes you think it's not a breakfast food? Is it the sweetness? It's the sweetness. It's the pastry. It's the fact. It's yeah. It's the fact. It's a pastry. The chocolate is obviously not breakfast. We don't even need to get into that, Tiff, because it's chocolate. Chocolate is not a breakfast food at all. Pastry <laughs> with the flake. No, it's too sweet. It's like a cake. You do not have cakes for breakfast. You have cakes after twelve p.m. After twelve. Okay. Right. So, because you see now, if you have you ever been to France. I have not been to France. I know that I would be very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so I I did a French exchange uh, when I was like 13 or 14, I think. And, oh God, this is going to link back in again. I don't know why this entire podcast <laughs> has a theme running through it. But yes, I think I was 14 years old and I went for a month uh, to Nantes in France. And um, for breakfast, we would get, I would go to French school. So we'd get up in the morning and we would have breakfast. And breakfast would either be a baguette with, like, Nutella on it and Gosh. a bowl of hot chocolate, you know, chocolat chaud. Chocolate, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and uh, a Nutella on bread or a pan au chocolat. And, and then we would go to school. And uh, that was what would set you up for the day. You're starting the day with a little bit of... Uh, 
chocolatey sugar drink (laughs) and chocolate on bread. Chocolate and bread combination is what sort of exists. Um, But I do remember that being a month of it being a bit grim because the girl I was staying with, her mother, Sabine, her mum was an alcoholic and she kept asking me if I'd started my period. (laughs) This is why there's a theme with this podcast today. (laughs) So, So she kept saying... Regular, regular, which is French. Like she kept asking me, and I'd be like, "Uh, uh, uh je ne comprends pas. Je, 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 je reste ici, <laughs> s'il vous plaît." Uh, what je, je, je suis très mauvais. Yeah, what? Yeah, what a horrible. Like it's a discussion you barely want to have with your own parents, let alone someone's yeah. French alcoholic mother. <laughs> it's a discussion you'd struggle with by yourself. <laughs> Let alone with like an alcoholic person, and you're in a you're in a different country. Yes. Oh. So we're saying cross. I disagree because I think get the sugary treats out of the day. I I follow this. You know, breakfast like a king, lunch okay. lunch like a prince, uh, dinner like a pauper. So I like to get my heavy duty, you know, high sugar stuff out the way early doors. Are you a are you a porridge person then? I would have porridge, but I don't have sugar in porridge. Um, oh. I try and I have I've had again I've had powdered peanut butter. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's it's much better. Um, I'll have some sugar substitute, but I'll also have toast without butter and maybe an uh, an egg on. Oh. But I'm very. I also don't like wet food. Wet food. Yeah, no like moistness beans, stuff like that. No, okay. not for me. So so talk to me about breakfast. Did you say did you say hotel breakfast there? Yeah, hotel breakfast. Yeah, it's it's the croissants. It, they have these weird pastries. There's cakes. It's it's just not a breakfast. I don't understand why we need to have a whole table full of desserts for breakfast. It blows my mind because I I never eat sweet things uh, until like after twelve. <laughs> but I guess you know with a hotel breakfast you have the option, don't you, of having some wet egg. <laughs> out of a... <laughs> Speaking ah. of wet breakfast food, you've got the but you've got the hot buffet as well. And then there's you also the yogurt and granola. You've got options. But if you they're, like to they're... start your day with a bit of stodge, that's an necessity, right? <laughs> Just... I, think my, I think my problem, Tiff, is I pay too much attention to everybody else's plates. Oh, <laughs> okay. I sit there and I go, really? At 8am, you're eating cookies? That's me in the hotel. I literally look at everybody else and I go, why would you do that? I, I, I think deep down... This is therapy. Deep down, there is a part of me that is jealous of it because I know that if I have a cookie at 8 a.m., guess what? Darren's having cookies all day. The, wa- <laughs> the wagon the wagon is falling off. I'm, I have zero control. That's why I eat like a king for dinner because then it's close to bed. <laughs> right. So it's not all day. So deep down, I guess my my my, my anger and annoyance at it is it's, it's internal. It's at me, really, because I do not have that control at all. So do you back this? They were bringing in a new... The government were talking about sort of... Or government advice of saying, don't bring cake into the office. I mean... Because if people have issues around food or certain types of food then you're making it more difficult for, for people to not eat that. I understand it from that point of view of making it, it makes it difficult for people who don't want to eat it. But, you know, I'm sure you've worked in an office. I've worked in an office. Those cake days are what you live for, man. <laughs> you yeah. live for a birthday <laughs> or a cake. You don't care what it is. What, what is it? St. George's Day? Let's just get a cake. Bring a cake in. Any day of the week, you want a cake brought in. I'll eat a flag. Give me a flag. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, anything to sort of break the monotony when you're in a boring office job that you go kind of go, it's five minutes of not having to go back to your desk while you sing happy birthday and oh my uh, gosh, yeah. and get a slice of some nice sponge. You do it not with your wet, enemy, though. your office enemy. You would happily go, happy birthday to Michelle. <laughs> you would happily <laughs> do it as long as you get some cake, yeah. Now we've unpacked it to see that it's actually your lack of self-control. <laughs> <laughs> Zero control. What else? What else if you started in the morning you would do all day? No, like oh my gosh. Computer games. Like if you got started in the morning, if you got up in the morning and before 12 went, I'm just going to have a quick go on this. Would that be you for the day? No, I have. It's purely food. That's it. Ooh, I am okay. it's purely for, like if I have like, for example, uh, I am not a guy who eats leftover pizza in the morning. Can't do it. Right. It has to be finished on that day, because if I eat pizza in the morning, I'm eating cake. I'm, it goes all that. It goes. I, <laughs> I go off the rails. I go off the rails. So I, I can't do it at all. Same with like fizzy drinks. I never drink fizzy drinks in the morning, which I don't think people yeah. should anyway. But if I do, it's fizzy. Yeah. It, fizzy drinks turns to pizza. Turns, yeah. It all goes downhill completely it's Matt I like that it's just food though because for me I've got like a series of addictive behaviors mm. mine would be like if I switched on a tv show if I switch on tv early in the day then the tv's on in the background I find it very hard to then uh, stop yeah. or if I watch an episode of something it's really hard for me to just watch one episode I've got to go about five deep and then fall asleep while it's on <laughs> okay yeah like I can't disengage myself especially because it's still it says you know we'll play the next episode in 10 seconds and you're like okay yeah just keep it going while i'm here it's hard yeah, yeah. back in the day it used to actually stop whereas now they keep going well back in the day they had this thing called a sense of anticipation <laughs> which you which you built up over time because it wasn't available to you i do remember like waiting specifically to get copies, you know, at your local blockbusters. Yeah. Like someone would have a copy of a film out and there would only be two or three. And you're like trying to find out which mate of yours has got like Rocky four. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, like, <laughs> so, so you could go around the house and go, give that back. I want to see it. You know, <laughs> Like I can't. That's like, great. Yeah. Waiting, waiting days to get like Terminator two or whatever on VHS, you know, <laughs> because, um, because someone else has got it out. So, and that, in a way, you know, we're kind of spoilt by life for all of its technological advance. And I guess this, the heart of what you're talking about here comes to choice. Yeah. We are spoilt by choice. Choice can become, and I think this is known as a psychological phenomenon, that you can be overwhelmed by choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, completely. Human beings aren't designed to have <laughs> this much choice in their lives. It's like when I walk into a supermarket, I just start freaking out yeah because i'm like there's 17 of i don't know which one of these washing up liquids i need <laughs> there's like 17 of them and do they all wash the dishes like what what's going on yeah I, i've got to that point where i just go by what colors i enjoy on the packaging <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm like you know what a blue washing up liquid that'll look nice I'll, yeah i'll just get that yeah there's a name for the effect i think it's the gruen effect which is where you when you walk into a supermarket or something that is set up to purposefully disorientate you uh, and also that stuff shoved at the front that you didn't go in there for, that kind of end of point of sale marketing, it's all shoved on the end of an aisle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you just gravitate towards it and pick it up because you've been, you know, it's when you end up picking up stuff in a shop 
that you didn't you didn't go in there for? It's, it, I think uh, I'm sure they do that now with all the streaming sites, you know, like Netflix and whatnot. When you go on their app, it's everything, and it's designed yes. in a way for you to see what's new, but keep scrolling and keep looking at all everything that's there. You have, you, yeah, I get so lost on there. Well, everything wants your time, you know, so all of those kind of apps or the TV shows, the longer you're on there, even on Instagram, when we post a thing, you're like, oh, you need to post more than one photo in a carousel. So they stay on it for more than one second, because otherwise we're not going to send anyone to your page. And you're like, yeah, and and that's that's what that's what the Gruen transfer is. It's like designed to confuse you. Uh, oh, there's a catchy display. So it's almost like the breakfast. You're seeing that. You're going in. You're going, oh, this is overwhelming. I can't have that because yeah. that's me for the day. But also, why have I got 27 different things for breakfast? Can I not just have three choices? <laughs> like in the, in the 70s, you know, that there were three flavors of ice cream or whatever, you know, <laughs> like or <I'm> colors. <laughs> My friend Stuart used to say this. I was like, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. That's yeah. it. You got it. That's You're covered. So now it's just like there's so much all the time that we're just we're constantly on overload. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like that all the time now, though, with like everything. But I think everything is designed to be a bit like that, where you're just it's just constant overload. Maybe. uh, And you're right what you said about social media, maybe social media as well, because, you know, I'm sure you do endless scrolling. And you go, what have I, what have I been doing for 10 minutes? I, I didn't learn anything. I got nothing out of this, but just scroll, scroll and, you know, get that dopamine hit every now and again. Yeah, getting those hits of dopamine and then going, I could have gone outside for a walk. <laughs> I just existed yeah. in the world. Why have I wasted my time? Uh, well, thank you for sharing your unpopular opinion. I disagree about the croissants, but I think larger as a whole, we got to quite an interesting place with it. So we thank did. you for sharing that. <laughs> We're going to wrap up this week with an angry aunt. Occasionally, we get letters and emails in from listeners. So I like to get angry on their behalf. And this week, the letter says, Dear angry aunts, I gave my friend my phone for research purposes and she leaked all of my WhatsApp messages to the press. Please get angry on my behalf. Little Matty, 44 and a quarter, Westminster. Fuck off, Matt. Fuck off, Matt Hancock. I will not get angry on your behalf. How dare you email this podcast and ask for help? Can I can I drop in? I met Matt Hancock. I had a chat with him three weeks ago. Uh, I, I did Dancing on Ice and he was in the audience and I, I made a reference to him. He came up to me at the end. Look, I, I'm not proud of myself, but he was very nice. He was very charming. He's he, he we, I was wearing a pair of these like gold pants for the show. And he went, oh. They're the same gold pants we wore on I'm a Celeb. You might be wearing my pants. And I was like, oh, my God, I think I've shared pants with Matt Hancock. (laughs) This is not how I saw my career go. (laughs) No, and also don't downgrade yourself from fashion icon (laughs) as you were established at the beginning of the podcast. How dare Matt Hancock put that at risk? Here's the horrible thing about it. I did Peston once and I was on with Michael Gove. Oh, wow. He's got a kind of sort of slimy quality, like, about him. But he was also very, he was slimy and sweet. Exactly. He was very nice to me in person. Matt Hancock was the same. Because they're politicians. They know how to put spin on stuff. They're not going to be rude in a room. But then you kind of, so they know how to put the glaze or the veneer of, like, I'm a decent person. Yeah. And then, obviously, the further we get away from the lockdowns and the pandemic and everything else, like, the more 
obviously grotesque their behavior is, let alone his affair in the midst of all of it, where he's just like groping someone at work. Yeah, yeah. Now we're seeing, <laughs> just, I, w- I wish you'd have said to him, well, we didn't know then. If I meet him, whatever he's doing, I'm just going to say, nobody thinks this is going well, Matt. Which is in the WhatsApp messages, he uh, he messaged going to George Osborne going, testing's going well. George Osborne replied, nobody thinks the testing is going well, Matt. <laughs> That's how deluded he is. Deluded, but they're all laughing at us as well of like, yeah. how many have flown in today first class and gone into a, a Premier Inn? Like, ha, ha, ha. I think they all kind of ex- are hoping that time will be kind to them. Because I think right now... Uh, Hancock is still in the thick of it. Obviously, the text messages leaking, etc. We're still quite new out of the whole pandemic situation. And I think for him, he's expecting to... Because he was... I'm telling you, for a guy who was the... Who, at that point... I mean, three weeks ago, one of the most hated men in the country. He was yes. He was in the marquee with all of us and all the uh, uh, people, you know, audience, chatting with everybody, laughing, jo- seemingly having a blast. There was no sense of, oh, I better hide in the corner and just be, you know, a bit of a, a shy wallflower. He was very much out there. And that's what kind of took me by surprise, how sort of loud and, you know, up for a chat he was, considering everybody's got sort of wants to put a knife in his back. I really sort of feel there's no sense of shame. There's absolutely no sense of shame. And the more and more is revealed, even when the, the affair was just revealed, I remember watching the TV and the BBC were reporting on it and they were like reporting on Matt Hancock and then they just gave a warning that the report contained flashing images and I was like none of us deserve that (laughs) (laughs) but I always thought like during the daily briefings it was like health and safety with Gareth Keenan in the office you know like he was doing those videos and he has the air of like a supply teacher whose car gets keyed up Every day, and they're like, you know, yeah. and he tried to sort of rehabilitate himself, didn't he? He did. There is no sense of shame. He set up a TV production company. He's got an autobiography, and I think that's what makes me angry the most. For for, for a moment of my catharsis on this podcast, I'm so fucking furious that this man is getting to make money and to continue to make money yeah. and stepping into our arena of entertainment. Get out! Get out! On Dancing on Ice, there was a couple, two celebs who uh, did a show with him, did a SAS. And uh, he had that book coming out and they got, they all got text messages from him saying, oh, inviting them to his book launch. And they were like, I'm not going to, what, what, you think I'm going to Matt Hancock's book? Where, one of them went, where did he get my number? They didn't, they had no idea how he had their number, sent them uh, invites to their book launch. And they were like, I mean, we spoke to him and he was a nice guy and everything, but, go to his book launch and it just shows that level of like just no shame just doesn't care shamelessness shame free well i don't even want to thank you matt for sending that (laughs) (laughs) angry aunt in that normally on this podcast i will get angry on your behalf but i'm just getting angry at at Matt Hancock <laughs> this week. So, uh, but do tweet your problems and we will deal with them. If you send them to me on Twitter at Tiff Stevenson, hashtag angry aunt, send us a problem and we'll, we'll try and come up with a solution for it. Thank you for coming on the podcast today, Darren. This has been great. Honestly, I had quite tense shoulders before we started and I feel quite relaxed now. <laughs> I feel like I've got good. quite a lot off my chest. I've done my job. I've done my job as an unpaid therapist with no qualifications. Just doing some emotional labour 
for, for fellow performers. I'll tell you, Tiff, in 2023, <laughs> us comedians, we can do anything. We can do anything we put our mind to these days. <laughs> we can, we can. What have you got going on? What do you want to plug? Tell us tell us about what you're coming up. I'm on tour in September, but you can just find me on all the socials, at Darren Harriet. That's the most important thing. Everything's on there. Everything you want. Go see Darren on tour or uh, catch Darren at any old ropes. He's doing a few coming up in the next little while. Yeah, go see him. Especially go to Birmingham if he books that 4,000 seat venue. Come on! <laughs> come on! Within it. 12 months. We want it within 12 <laughs> months. Thank you for coming on the podcast. What have I got coming up? I'm on tour in May. All of the dates are on my website, which has finally, finally been updated with the tour dates not with any new pictures or anything else but just tiffstevenson.co.uk and the first one 22nd of March come along and see me in Belfast at the Imagine Festival of Comedy and Politics so check that out thank you very much Darren thank you for having me thanks for listening and we'll see you next time you can listen to other programmes from The Bugle including The Bugle Catharsis Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.